really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, results, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. I follow the URC, the Gallagher Premiership, Super Rugby, the NBC, the Scottish Super Six, and Lord knows what else. But today, we are staying domestic, and we are looking at the upcoming season of MLR, set to kick off on February 5th. To do this, we're bringing in Phil from the Jacks Rangers podcast. Phil's here for a record-setting fifth appearance, and as always, he brings a whole new level of insight to all the happenings. So why don't we just get right to it? We're going to skip all the admins and just get to it. Okay, once again, I am very happy to welcome my friend, and fellow podcaster, Phil, he's the man behind the curtain at the Jacks Rangers podcast. If you haven't climbed on board that particular bandwagon, I strongly urge you to do so. I have linked his show copiously in the show notes for this episode. Phil, by my count, this is your fifth visit to the Scrum of the Earth. Welcome once again. Five feels fine as far as I'm concerned, man. This is great. Yeah. I'm happy <laughs> to be on here for the fifth time. We have such a good time. I feel like my show, although we we embrace being silly and funny, sure. I feel like it's a bit more regimented. I feel just so much freer on here because it's not my show. I can just kind of say whatever the hell I want. <laughs> that <type laughs> of- yeah. I strongly encourage you to say whatever the hell you want. I sure will. <laughs> so, of course, uh, just a, a brief pause. These days, I am making sure I take a moment with the way Omicron has made the world even more crazy. I just don't I don't pass up any chances for an honest check in. Phil, in all seriousness, how are you? How are your family? How are the people you hold dear? Is everybody OK at this point? Everybody's amazing, man. You know, country folks will survive. And that's how that's how my family lives their life. You know what I mean? So oh, that's a great line. Oh. We're good, man. We're good. <laughs> so, listeners, I, I, I indeed prepared a long list of questions, and not just about MLR and the Free Jacks and the upcoming season, but about Phil, the man, the myth, the mullet. Uh, but F- FYI, Phil has what we call in this you know, incredible industry that we're in, uh, we call it a hard out, and so he may not be able to get to the personal stuff. So, soit. Phil, if we have to cut it short, can you promise my listeners that you will come back at some point for a sixth appearance sometime soon to talk about, well, you? Absolutely, man. Uh, I always, I mean, I think people love talking about themselves. So yeah, that's, that's an easy yes from me. Yeah, for sure. Can I, you know, is there any way I can bend your arm to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as of this recording, there are eight days remaining before MLR 2022 kicks off. Are you feeling the buzz? What are you feeling right now? Man, it just, it feels good to be good. You know, I just think this team is very good. And I think that, you know, people have been waiting for this for a long time. I know our, our listeners have been, you know, anxiously anticipating this moment and we're right there towards the finish line. Yeah. We were in a marathon and we really didn't train for it. Maybe we had a couple beers the night before. So we've been struggling right through, especially like the midway point towards the finish line. Maybe we've crapped our pants. Maybe we're like seeing double, like, but we're almost there like we're, we're about to stumble across the finish line so it's exciting you know I, I just can't wait I can't believe the phrase crapped your pants hasn't just showed up in any of the the merchandising or the you know the advertising for the MLR season 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they need to get on that. Somebody's making a mistake <laughs> putting that on their, their uh, taglines there. So my friend, in the last couple of weeks, frankly, you've done an amazing job of looking ahead to this season to the tune of two full length pods. Uh, so I assume we're probably going to touch on some of those things. You and I also talked a few weeks ago, right on New Year's Day, but hopefully I'm looking to find some new angles to take. And my first question to you, it's an absolute cream puff. This is going to be the best MLR season yet, right? And I think I know what your answer is, but give me three reasons. Oh, God, for three reasons. Okay, so we've got a new team in Dallas. Expansion's always nice, right? So yep. more team to talk about out there in the West and in Texas land. Um, so that's number one. Number two is we're five years in, so I feel like the league is kind of maturing. At the beginning of this whole process, it kind of felt like, okay, we're doing this. All right, everybody be cool, right? Like, so now I feel like we've got our feet under ourselves, you know, like from the league perspective. We have a great commissioner in George Killebrew. Yep. You know, everything set in place. Um, and number three, I feel like the Jacks could win it all. So as a Jacks fan, I think we're all pretty excited about what's going to happen on the pitch this year. And I feel like, you know, we we have a good team. Like I said, I, I keep saying this over and over again. It feels good to be good. And on paper, we are good. So if we were some team like D.C., good God, like I don't know how those fans are, you know, I'm sure they are excited. But if you look up and down the roster, I mean, I don't think that they got it much better than they previously were. So, you know, I, I feel like we did. So we got a lot to look forward to, man. I couldn't agree more. So as I say, you've you've very much gone over all this on your own show, but for the benefit of my listeners, let's just start by looking at our beloved Free Jacks. You know, as we both have talked about, our, our first game is a week from tomorrow. That'll be in New Orleans. The last time we talked, though, you, in fact, you were the first one who told me that we were sort of going to be treating this like a preseason game. Um, has that changed? Can you talk about that a little bit? I, you know, we heard that from TK on our podcast, and, I, and I, I'm always constantly misquoting people and stuff like that, so <laughs> I really need to watch what I say here, but I, I could have sworn that he had mentioned that they're kind of treating this as like a, an extension of a preseason game. It's really the first test for the team, obviously, in the first game down there in New Orleans, but we have a bye game the very next week or so. Right a bye week rather than a game so they're kind of treating this like we're going to get all the kinks out right now right now literally our team is down in washington dc playing a preseason fixture it's that's not, my next question for sure it's not a game i think they're doing some like structured practice type scrimmage stuff so I think all of this from the mind of the management and TK and the, the coaches, they're like, well, we got to go to NOLA and then we have an extra week off after that. So I really think that I think that's a winnable game. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But I don't think, you know, that they're I think they're trying to get they're working stuff out still. And mm. it's not a we're going to see it in NOLA. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. I think you're right about that. And like you mentioned that, you know, this very morning, I saw it reported that we were going to be playing a free preseason fixture against DC. I had no idea. Uh, I've seen a little, a couple of social media things about it. Obviously there's no video as far as I know of. Have you seen anything about that? Do you have some sort of inside track? I know you got the insider t-shirt. <laughs> Which one am I wearing? Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I did speak to the club directly, and they said that there is no streaming of the uh, the events down there in D.C., unfortunately. Mm. I, I know that there's some people there taking photos and I think doing some live, like, Instagram live stuff, but it's not like a traditional streaming situation, unfortunately. Sure. 
So, you know, sometimes I find myself wishing that there was an actual structured preseason for the MOR. Do you think that's something that we might see next year, maybe? Or, uh, you know, it seems right now it's very much up to each individual team, individual club. Is that something that you would change if you had a chance to? Perhaps. I mean, what I want, and I know my listeners really want this as well, the ones that I've spoken to about this specifically, is I want Kara Cup Part 2. Yeah, yeah. I want that. I, I mean, so going down to D.C. and having a structure practice, that's all well and good. I mean, it serves the purpose of what they're trying to do, but that's not sexy. That's not exciting. You know what I mean? Like, I want teams that we don't play during the season to come yeah. to us whether it's their academy teams from like a premiership side or, you know, Scotland, Ireland, whoever the hell it is, you know, bring them over here. They don't get game time anyway. This is a great opportunity for those guys to test themselves against uh, good competition. It, it helps us, you know, basically warm up into the season. So I think the Kara cup is uh, hitting the nail on the head about what you want for a preseason and it needs to return. Obviously in the world of COVID, it, it just probably isn't feasible right now, but down the line, if we get yep on you know this bs hopefully we'll get to that point and uh just to, real quick about that as well um so mags had on a guy that uh, is the president of the savannah bananas if you're not familiar it's a minor league baseball team hmm. they do things differently there they constantly sell out games they have their own version of baseball that they play it's like harlem globetrotters meets baseball it's hard to explain but like they're all about entertainment and wow. what they're doing this coming season is they're taking their show on the road. They're going to different cities. So what I would absolutely love is Kara Cup Part 2 and go to different cities in New England oh. for each game. Don't just have it in Massachusetts. Go, oh. to, go to Maine. Go to New, um, um, excuse me, New Hampshire. Um, yeah. Uh, own, the, own the name New England. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Go to all six states. You know, one game per uh, per city. And, you know, I'll tell you, the, the script got so long, I literally had to go and delete these huge chunks about it. But I had actually planned to talk about this because I had this idea of like, so the Kara Cup was great, right? But like, we don't have a specific connection with the URC as it is now. Uh, I mean, we have some Irish connections, but what we do have is a New Zealand connection. What we do have is a connection with the NPC. Now, the the commute is, is onerous at best, but a Kara Cup style competition with, you know, a Waikato, a Taranaki. Oh my gosh. And then, like you say, put it in different cities. Oh. Um, my only concern with that is their season finished up recently, right? So they would be perhaps playing after their season is over with for our preseason is that right yeah it's true like Bowden obviously birthday boy Bowden Waka is uh you know playing for us when he would have been playing for Waikato if they were playing against us so okay maybe I'm way off <laughs> uh, I love the, I love the vision and I love the enthusiasm um I, I think I would rather see it come from the the teams that are currently in season with their academies, the guys that aren't getting playing time that are still in season right now but I, I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> So obviously, both of us are huge Free Jacks fans. Both of us will be there at Fort Quincy eight times over the next several months. Tell me what your level of excitement is like right now. It's pretty close to 10. I mean, I, I need to see the rugby take place, I think, to get yeah. to I'm yeah. like a nine and a half right now. Um, you know, you were mentioning earlier, and I appreciate you saying your kind words about our preseason part one and part two, which was it's, it was awesome. Yeah, 25, 24, 25. I, at this point, I can't even remember. I stayed up until like the middle of the night getting those uh, episodes ready. So I appreciate people actually saying that they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I know we get likes and stuff like that. And we see the listens actually take place in our um, analytics, you know, the when we look at our sure. podcast. 
But for people to say, you know, that they was awesome, I appreciate that very much because I we put a lot of time in. It wasn't just me. It was Dave and Chris and all of our guys that helped us out over here at the Jacks Rangers. So, but uh, I'm very proud of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's essentially four and a half hours long. Of it is. Content. And, and worth every minute. <laughs> For sure. We've been cranking up the content too, because we're putting out graphics every single day, multiple graphics. You know, we're dropping merch all the time. It's just very exciting right now. Yeah. So, you know, both of us have talked about this before. Our team only lost once at home last season. I honestly see us being at least as formidable this time around. But can you think of a counter argument? I know you've already talked about it um, on your pod. Your prediction was 12 and four. I think you and I said the same thing. Um, is there anything since then that's made you go, oh, wait, maybe maybe I should, I don't know, mitigate that a little bit? I, I don't want the magic to end at, at home, right? So I really haven't put a lot of thought into what if we start losing games at home? Like yeah. that's not even in my, my thought process right Agreed. now. My concern is the away games. So I think we're going to be fine at home. We might lose one of them. I mean, last year we did the same thing. We lost one game. I mean, it happened to be one of the nail in the coffins for our playoff hopes. So that's kind of a touchy subject, of course. But um, (laughs) I feel good. Like, it's going to be an intimidating atmosphere every single game. It is. Connor Kendrigan, you know his name, Connor Kendrigan. Oh, yes. uh, One of your favorite uh, former free jazz. Last year, um, he was saying at that Atlanta game, he could actually feel the vibrations from people stomping their feet onto the metal stands from the pitch. I mean, listen, it's going to be a loud, intimidating atmosphere. If you want to talk about people being a little bit intimidated about that factor of like being away from home, that's for real at Fort Quincy. And I think it's only going to get more and more ramped up. If the first regiment can get organized as an organization and get people together and, and, and yeah. as loud as possible and march into the stands. Yeah a unit together i mean it's it's going to be magical man that place is going to be electric so you and i have talked a lot about our success at home and what we foresee and so on and both of us are pretty optimistic so if i was going to pick a tiny red flag to put some someplace i would say we've got those first two games right at the beginning of may i would put a tiny little red flag there only because we're in for a short week so old glory they come to town on saturday the 7th they, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they're at least as bad as they were last year, <laughs> maybe worse, but I feel like they're going to be a little bit stronger. And then it's only six days later, we have to host Atlanta. And uh, as you said on your, on your pod, like I was kind of hoping out loud, maybe they'll fall off a little bit. And I think all three of you were like, Nope, don't see that coming. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they were runners up to the finals last season. They could be very tough. It's only a day difference six between seven, but in a sport like this, yeah. Rest, rest is king, right? So, yeah. Do you think we have to approach those games differently, or? I think that they they might have to do some some substitutions during the DC game if we're ahead quite a bit. They might mm. sub out some guys quicker than they normally would. Right. I feel good about us beating DC. I, I'm not really concerned with them. I don't think they're a team. God bless them. I, I'm glad that they exist, but I just forget about them. I literally forget that they're a team sometimes. And by the way, they. I mean, I know that they're in DC. But they straight up stole our color scheme. I understand, like, oh, we're, we're the nation's capital. Should we, we, we be red, white, and blue? I mean, I guess. I just feel like they're like the little brother you forget about. You don't want them to tag along. Like, piss off. Like, I, I just – and, again, I think they've gotten worse. They've lost some key uh, people in their squad. 
there, number 10, that was instrumental. Uh, Jamie Robinson, I believe, is, one, is his name. He's gone. Mungo Mason is gone from their back line. I, I just don't think that they're – I think that if you're if there's a fifth place, they've got their name. It's, it's written all over mm. their name for D.C., for fifth place in the East. But, um, at, you know, in terms of Atlanta, you know, we recorded that podcast about two weeks ago. Right. So this was prior to the news that uh, Scott Lawrence has been jettisoned from uh, Atlanta – so that very might, strange. Yeah, very strange. Uh, no official explanation other than just, you know, the typical jargon, like, you know, creative differences or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's a huge loss for them in terms of. I the do. Listen, this is I mean, we're right before the season starts and that guy gets let go. He was there, I believe, from the very beginning or very close to the very beginning of the, the start of uh, I think so. franchise. And he's a great great American head coach like there are people that talk about him like he could be in line uh, eventually for USA Eagles head coach so that's a huge loss um, well there's of course hints that people are saying well he should obviously go to the Jackals but we'll talk about them in just a minute too um you know Nolan Nate Osborne is also gone from NOLA so that might be a job for for him to take or <laughs> potential next franchise wherever it happens to be I think he would be perfect for that position because he started at um, NOLA from the very like there was no structure whatsoever he went in there and built that thing up to be um, contenders all the years that he was there they I mean they missed the playoff by two points last year NOLA did so he would be a great addition I to- wonder how that feels huh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> So, by the way, you actually made, you made a great point while you're talking about this, mentioning the, the fact is all these speculations we're doing, oh, this record is going to be this, this person's going to score this, this person's going to be the breakout player. We literally have no idea. Like, we haven't seen any actual examples. Like, now we know there was a game today of some sort with DC, but none of us have seen what it looked like. The, the images we'll get will be, you know, curated images, uh, it was a really smart point of yours that like, we just have no idea because we have a new coach, we have new players, we have all new everything. Things could be a little bit different. Um, so these things are just going to be guesses right now, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like a day trader on um, Robin Hood. Like I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I'm just throwing money at certain things and hoping it goes up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's difficult to predict these things because we do have a lot of new players. We got brand new coaches, brand new assistant coach, brand new head coach, tons Uh, of staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that we do have some core guys that have returned that are, were huge for us last year, but these new guys, like what's going to happen with the center position. Yeah. We talked about this in episode two of the preseason. It's one of my favorite bits. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's a big question mark. We've got six guys that can play center that TK has signed on. We don't have a single guy that's returning that could play center essentially all the, the two centers that started last year, Alecky Morris Lome and uh, Puwasa Wakanabao are no longer on this team. So it's the biggest question mark. Um, and, you know, again, can we win away games? I think is also a big question mark. Well, both of you have sort of bold, uh, b- both of you, but both of us have uh, sort of, boldly predicted 12 and four for us at at various points in our different pods it's worth noting 12 and four would in fact be the record of the eventual champions from last year okay oh and and by the way i did i think i figured it out so you and i both have refused to use the name for the la team simply you know only for the reason that it's incredibly stupid yes uh but with all the older sort of retired players from europe that they keep bringing in can we call them the oval (laughs) teenies 
Love that. I also like the Gil Weenies as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, apply, that applies to two franchises, I think, though, right? <laughs> Don't forget about their little brother there in Austin with another ridiculous bad name. We exactly. Call them, on my show, we call them the Jabronis. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Somehow, when it was just one team, it seemed okay. I don't know. You know right. to, uh, Can you imagine if he buys another franchise out west? It's going to be awful. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, the the Mormontinis. <laughs> uh, okay, Phil, I got six teams for you. Okay. Austin, San Diego, Seattle, and Houston in the west. Old Glory and Toronto in the east. These were the teams that couldn't get to 10 wins last year. Which of those teams do you expect will get over that hump? Which of those six teams are going to have the biggest turnaround this year? It's Toronto. It's not mm. close. Agreed. Um, so if they're staying in Toronto, which all, all, all signs point that, that they're going to be sleeping in their own beds, watch out for this team, man. They are so good. They might yeah. be second or first in the East. Like, so I'm many not- Canadian nationals, so many Canadian players. Um, they brought in, you know, talking about the, our first opponent, Nola, their captain has been sent to Toronto, a guy by the name of Kyle um, Bailey. He looks Canadian, too. He's a Canadian international. He's missing a couple front teeth, so I'm guessing he played hockey as a child. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Snoopy as a hockey player. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he was Nola's captain last year. I mean, you can't. I guess, you know, again, your head coach who's been there since the beginning is jettisoned out of the organization. Your captain is gone. One of your best players now plays for us, who's been there since pretty much the very beginning as yep. a starter for four consistent years. I really wonder about that team, man. Like, mm. they were so close to making the playoffs last year. I think that they're going to fall this year. They're going to be – we're going to be talking about them like we talk about D.C. I think they're, it's a race to the bottom with those two clubs. Very interesting. So I got some more teams for you. So the Oval Teenies, we got mm-hmm. Utah, we got Atlanta, New Jersey, <laughs> New Orleans, and New England. All of us got 10 or more wins last year. Do you see a, a big drop off for any of those teams? Oh, my gosh. Um Atlanta. I, I don't know if you named them, but I think Atlanta is going to fall. Yeah, yeah. They you know, they were they're on the list. Uh, so that that was what I floated last time we talked, and then I I felt like you guys vehemently disagreed with me on your last pod. Right, and, and the reason for that is that was two weeks ago we recorded that. Oh yeah, the coach thing, of course. The coach thing is huge. Like they still have great players. There's no doubt about it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting Jason Dam. Um, their eight man. He's incredible. Like. Mm. So good. Uh, Ross Deacon is very good. They, they've got some solid forwards and some pretty good backs. Listen, that team was dangerous last year. They almost won the whole thing. I mean, I mean, if you get to the finals, you're a great team. The problem is the heart and soul of that team, the leader, is not only you know somebody on the pitch, it's the guy orchestrating everything. Scott Lawrence being gone is going to be – we're going to look back at this and say – he is the key man that they lost in this organization. And we're going to see Atlanta fall a little bit here. I don't know if it's going to be a huge loss, but I feel like out of um, the Eastern Conference, we're going to see either D.C. or NOLA towards the bottom, and then we're going to see Atlanta. That's my guess at this point. And now, wow. this, could this change? Yeah, it changed, you know, two, from two weeks ago. Sure. But him, I think, is a huge loss for them. And, again, it where the season is right here. He got let go earlier this week it feels like so that is just an organization that might be in complete disarray at this time so i I took it a little bit of a deep dive into some of the numbers too that i wanted to talk to you about so success last year in the mlr it was best indicated by total points scored 
the four semifinalists, they represented four of the top uh, five scoring teams overall. So what do you think is best to deduce from this? Is it that the MLR is an offensive rather than a defensive league? Do you think maybe this year is the first time there's a team who makes it deep through defense rather than offense? Is that possible? I mean, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but I, you know, I hear this all the time from one of my buddies, Chris Phillips, and it's a basketball reference. Shooters shoot, okay? And what that means is, you know, hey, if you got the ball and you're close, shoot that mf or You know what I'm saying? Like, don't pass it to anybody, shoot it. So in, in rugby terms, yeah, let's go. Like, blitz all out. Let's see some attacking rugby because we saw it last year and it was very effective, right, with the point scoring. So that's what I want to see. I don't want to see a lot of, like, international type of games. I really don't like that style of rugby. It's boring. You're talking about the kick tennis? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's so hard to, to watch that. You know, I'd rather watch sevens, to be honest with you, than that. Huh. Yeah, garbage. And that's French for garbage. <laughs> so the uh, the Thundercats, they were an absolute mess last year. And yes, I'm definitely calling them the Thundercats. Uh, they, they scored the fewest points of any team in the MLR. It wasn't even close. In fact, even the lowly Seawolves scored 77 more points than Houston did. On top of that, they gave up the most points. Again, by a wide margin, in this case, it was 60. This this year, it has to be better for Houston, right? Yes. So if, if you're a Houston fan, what's giving you cause for optimism right now? I would, I, so this is my connection to Houston. I'm, I'm not certainly not a Houston fan, but I, if I had to pick a Western Conference team, they're it. Number one reason really? their ownership has invested into a rugby-specific stadium. I think that is amazing. That's you know, awesome. They they did that like four years ago or three years ago at this point. So that is just so like I'm putting all of my chips in, in, in here, like I'm all in. And I love that. Number two, I've got a lot of connection, like family connection in Houston. I've got a lot of Texans. Oh. In my um, you know, I got um, my my grandmother's brother moved there when he was a young man, just an Appalachian hillbilly like myself and became a multimillionaire in the real estate business. He actually ended up uh, at one time owning part of the Houston Rockets franchise. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting story. True oh, story. gosh. Yeah. See, see, this is why we're going to need a follow-up episode, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got some connection and some roots there in, in Houston. I love the city. I've been there a couple of times to see rugby, actually. Uh, but I've never been to their uh, rugby specific stadium. I just I want that organization to succeed, because if you're putting you're putting mm. money where your mouth is um, in terms of here's our rugby specific stadium that we spent millions and millions of dollars on. This is exactly what every team in the league wants. And we right. have we're the only team in the league that has this. And I can't wait to get down there at some point to see that. Like I might have tears in my eyes seeing a rugby specific stadium where a professional rugby team plays. That's unbelievable. You've been talking about these potential road trips too. I hope that is a thing that happens, but, but Phil, I, I do have to say, I might have some bad news for you. I, I'm not sure that you can call yourself a hillbilly anymore. so here's one you might not even have an answer to this one what happened to the sea wolves oh. so from all the way at the top like clear cut way at the top all the way to close to the bottom they, they you know they're they're not the thundercats but it's it's just hard to understand how far they've fallen right like if this was the nba you could see that happening if, they, if a, a, a superstar had retired or uh, like a core group of guys, contracts all ran out at the same time. That that wasn't the case here. What is going on with the Seawolves right now? 
Um, and just to answer the question about Houston, I think they will be a lot better. <laughs> but to jump over to the the, um, the Seattle situation, I don't really know. Like the magic is gone from the the, the Sea Wolves, and by the way, way. my second favorite mascot in the league is Rucky. The yep. We've had a, a love affair from afar, a long distance relationship. Me, that's my buddy right there. Second but, to Woodie, uh, obviously. Yeah, second to Woodie, of course. But I mean, listen, that fan base deserves a winner. They, they're like, if you don't consider us, then they have to be the next best, most passionate fan base in the league. Those people they sell out. They, I think they're in a soccer specific stadium for a minor league soccer team. So I think it's like between like three and five thousand. They pack that place, man. Like apparently it is loud as hell up there. Well, you know, you just really appreciate a fan base that is so engaged. Um, and they even had when we played them at home, um, they had visiting fans travel from Seattle to come visit us. Like that is unbelievable. That's awesome. Awesome dedication. So they deserve a winner up there. I don't know what happened, but I, I just I, the best way to describe it is the magic is gone from the Pacific North, Northwest, and I hope it does re- return because I would much rather see Seattle be like contenders again compared to the Gilweenies. Where <laughs> yes, this is please. So fake. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a new franchise this year, the Dallas Jackals. They're coming into this league. They're looking completely snake bit right off the bat they lost their coach much like atlanta except maybe a week before that um do you think they'll be able to recover from that that's a terrible place to start your inaugural season how good or bad is it going to be for their inaugural season no uh, they're they're dead last unfortunately they're gonna learn they're gonna learn today like all all <laughs> are going to be just really interesting to watch because how many points are going to be scored on them, that type of thing. I don't see this team winning more than like three or four games, unfortunately. Um, I, you know, TK talked about this. We asked him specifically about Dallas and joining the league. He said, you know, the American and Canadian talent uh, is kind of spread thin at this point. Mm. So there's not a lot of great players on their team, unfortunately. Um, and I think they're just going to have a rough go of it unfortunately this year and hopefully they'll get better as as the years go by but i just don't see much happening with them well i don't see them obviously contenders for the playoffs and we do have a new playoff system this year for the for the playoffs uh for the newcomers can you explain that a little bit i don't mean quentin and his family i i have assumed i assume they know what that is but uh (laughs) so my understanding is um we're gonna have three uh three teams from each conference joining the playoffs this year so what's going to happen is the number one number one seed will have an automatic buy and the number two uh, and three seeds will face off in the first round of the playoffs against each other and the winner of that will face the number one seed who had previously had a a week buy so it it, kind of opens up the field a little bit more obviously Mm -hmm. People may or may not know this, but last year and in the years previous, it was just the top two teams that would face off into the playoffs. Right. So now we've added an extra team. What you want to, if you want to call it a wild card or whatever, that third seed gets into the playoffs. So I, you know, I've said people, I to, like it. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's important that uh, as the league continues to expand, that we expand our play playoff format. Um, hopefully, we'll see uh, you know four teams in per um conference going forward uh, as the league expands but yeah i think it's important to do that i've said i've gone on record and said i don't care if we're the first seed or the third seed get your ass in the playoffs and we'll see what happens that is what, now what I, I saw the march too what's what's the alternative version is it uh, uh please, please please proceed to the playoffs 
really appreciate that. I feel like that's for uh, for Harry Barlow right there, the gentleman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, the, that's like the PG-13 or PG rather uh, version. <laughs> So the next few questions are probably have you've probably already covered, but just just in case for my listeners, uh, which team do you see having the best overall record this coming year? It's hard to say. And unfortunately, I'm looking at the evil empire as yeah. most likely. It one. seems likely. Yep. The, the L.A. Gilweenies will have the best record heading into the playoffs. Do you have somebody penciled in for your rookie of the year? I do not. But I will keep it close to home and say, Kale Hodgson. Yeah. Year, <laughs> our number one draft pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see him, if possible, take one of those um, center positions and just have a monster year. Let's see him score 10 tries, you know, um, and, and look like, uh, make TK look like a genius for selecting him in the first round. I mean, I'm pretty sure TK is a genius. He is a genius, but it will make everybody else see him as a genius. We know he's a genius, um, but uh, everybody else will see him as Yeah, they can take their time learning that as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, uh, such a big, uh, big fan of the show. Uh, who do you see getting a buy in, in this new playoff format? Who are the two teams that are getting there? A little sweet little buy. So LA again, yeah, it's got to be the Eagle Empire probably. But over here, I think it's between three teams, and I don't have a okay. depth for you like I do on the. I feel like Atlanta has moved out of this list for you. It has you're you're correct. Um, so it's going to be either Toronto, mm. us, or New Jersey. <laughs> that, that's the Hoboken doing. RFC. Oh, Hoboken style, baby. Hey. <laughs> uh, so your top two finishers in the East and the same in the West, who do you got? Oh God. Um, so I'm going to say okay. us. And just because I hate New Jersey so much, it's going to be Toronto. Um, and Agreed. On the West, we will say the LA Gilweenies. I'm going to say it over and over again throughout the show. And God, oh, I'm stumped for this one. I gotta say, here's who I'll say. I feel like it should be San Diego. They they were so good. They they should be so good. Should be, but they got three players in key positions that are super old. Like they're my mm. age. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I could not imagine playing rugby at a professional level at 37 years old. I think my body would just like completely fall off. Like literally like my limbs would just fall off. But um, I've yeah. often said that the first time I got tackled up there, I'd be like, screw you guys. And I would pick up the ball and be like, I'm going home. So, I mean, they got Joe Peterson. They got uh, Chris Robshaw and Ma'ananu who are really close to 40 years old. So Ma'ananu is back again. I'm so excited. And, and I, I'll be damned if he's not going to be really good. I believe he's going to be good. I just wonder, you know, are they going to rest him at certain points? I mean, he's 39 years old, guys. Like, you got to get Tom Brady's five years older. That's true, but Tom Brady doesn't get tackled or make tackles. <laughs> That's true. Tom Brady never gets hit. Yeah. It's against the law. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I wonder about I wonder about um, San Diego. Um, God, it's hard, isn't it? I, I'm going to say it's going to be Austin. Mm. Preseason footage. Really? They're out there training like, I like this. 
they're out there like, you know, in Galveston, like on the coast, like doing push-ups as the waves come in and crash into them. I like this. Wild. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, oh. the headed stepchild of uh, Gilchrist will make their way into the playoffs and face off against uh, the Gilweenies, the Jabronis against the Gilweenies. So uh, is that your pick for the finals this year? I'm going to say in the finals, we'll have LA on one side. Right. Oh, so you talk about the Western Conference finals? No, I, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the Western- so, so out of those guys, where do we end up with the finals? So the finals are going to be the Gilweenies against, wait for it, the New England Free Jacks, baby. <laughs> and who's going to take the shield this year? And by the way, I just, for the record, I just think we should call it the Magleby Shield just because, you know, Mags is awesome. I, th- I feel like it's, it's a very reasonable title. That's a great idea. If they don't call it the, in like five years, if they don't call it the um, uh, Killebrew, uh, shield, yeah, the Mag Shield for sure. Um, I I want to say that our New England Free Jacks will be hoisting the shield in Quincy, Massachusetts, in a very small parade. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, it's it's absolutely within the realm of possibility. That's we, we might have to go to LA to do it. Are you and I taking a trip to LA if that happens? I've always wanted to go there. I want to go to uh, Universal Studios um, Hollywood. First and foremost, I want to go to the um, also the comedy store, the world famous comedy store. Sure, stand up comedy. Yeah, um, I, that would be a blast. I would love that. But what if we have the better record? Interesting. Oh man! Interesting. And then they'd have to come here. Well, I mean, it would be what's going to be June. So, but yeah, but we, don't have, we don't have our environmental disadvantage that we're about to. Regardless, their stadium will be empty, other than us being there. If it's held there, but if they come to us. Think about a sold out rabid crowd of Bostoners who were just completely drunk and happy to be there. (laughs) Half of them won't know what rugby is. They're just tagging along, but they're going to be, you know, yelling at the Gilweenies and just like stomping their feet. And it will be an electric crowd. And that's what's going to scare the Gilweenies and it's going to get them off of their game. And we're going to win the shield. It's going to happen. So, listen, as long as we get into the playoffs, there's no reason why we can't win the whole thing. That's no, you're absolutely right. It, it, that's why I say here comes the chance is all you need. Get your ass in the playoffs and let's see what happens. Because once you make the playoffs, there's no reason why you can't just win the whole damn thing. So I'm very conscious of your time tonight, and I've got some good numbers that I want you to think about. So <laughs> as, as far as players and individual stats. So last year, DTH of Andamarba of the Oval Teenies, <laughs> the, the, what are we calling them? The, the – uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the, the top try scorer. He had 11. He was followed closely by Bjorn Basson of the underperforming San Diego Legion, who had 10. And then there was, as you know, a big old knot of players who had nine, including our favorite son, Dougie, Dougie Fife. When you look at the top 14 try scorers in the league, though, last year, only three of those players were from the USA. Uh, it was Dylan Fawcett, it was John Ryberg, and it was Mike Teo. Okay. Is that a trend that's going to change as rugby grows in popularity here at home? You know, and believe me, I love the internationals. Don't get me wrong. It's fair to say that some of my favorite players are imports. But as a league, MLR wants more homegrown talent, right? And if you look apart from the try scores, just if you just look at point scores, if you look at the top 10, there isn't a single American on that list. Wow. 
Um, so the answer is yes. And I think a way that we've proven this on our show is we did, me and Dave and I, um, our outrider Dave, Big Brain Dave. Diamond oh, yeah. Dave. Diamond Dave. Yes, Diamond Dave. He and I created a uh, North American 15, just of our players. Oh, so that okay. Canada, obviously. Um, and he was able to create three different um, 15s. I so like we this. have like uh, something crazy, like 18 USA qualified players on our team. And also, huh. I wow. want to say eight Canadian, no, four Canadians, something like that. It's a smaller number. But wow. when you add those together, it's the vast majority of our team because there's only 38 of the players. <clears throat> but long story short, what I believe here is that with our American talent that is being brought into this league and also Canadian, let's just throw them in there just for the sure. sake because it's a North American league. Cool. Um, iron sharpens iron. Mm. I truly believe that. So if you get these internationals over here that are, you know, halfway using walkers at this point, they have a lot of vast knowledge about rugby. They've been playing rugby since they were, you know, three years old and some of them at a high, high level professionally. Right. So that's going to rub off on these guys. So in five years from now, who knows how good the United States and Canada could be if everything goes as planned because our players are going to get better. Now, am I confident that the organizations at the highest level like USA rugby and Canadian rugby are going to be able to exploit that talent i don't know about that but I, i'm a little skeptical but i think we'll have some decent players here like beyond decent um decent's not the best word we're gonna have some great usa and, and canadian players because they've been around this professional environment and they're around these imports that have been playing at a very very high level for so long again iron sharpens iron i believe that competition breeds better product so last year, the MLR named their first and second team players for the season. They named two 15s. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at those groups of 15, you'll notice that there's only one free jack on each of those lists. So can you tell our listeners why that's just complete and utter BS? You know, New, oh. Jersey, New Jersey had four combined. So obviously there's some, some funny business going on, right? I, I want to say that I want to believe that it's not funny business, but I keep seeing stuff left and right <clears throat> to make it seem like it might be funny business. <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know, these guys that put out these power rankings, preseason power rankings, they have us way uh, too low. And okay. they're surprised at the end of the season how well this team does. So I, I, I don't know what it is. Is it because we're in the shadow of New York? It's like these guys can't see beyond New York to see what's happening at our little old free jacks that they consider, you know, some small franchise. I don't know, but we don't get the respect that we deserve. I, obviously, on these rankings, we could have had more players. Um, but just, you know, the preseason rankings, they are sleeping on us so hard. They're, it's like they took NyQuil. They're not waking up. <laughs> you know? well and, and speaking of this stuff, there's been a bunch of social media stuff with the uh, the New Jersey team. Oh. I have I've absolutely stolen your plan for calling them New Jersey. It also cracks me up that they just did this rebranding thing. But what they basically did was they got rid of the word United. Yes. Uh, it seems like a odd choice, right? Like, are they no longer United? So my yeah. new idea is that we should call them Rugby Untied New Jersey. <laughs> I like uh, New Jersey divided. I think that's, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that, that's much better. Damn it. What's wild about that is, you know, we, uh, us free Jack fans and just the MLR um, scene in general for the fans of other teams have been dunking on New Jersey so hard. Listen, this is an organization <laughs> that has gone through three different logo changes and two different name changes in four years of existence. If that isn't just like incompetence or just, you know, <laughs> 
racing to the bottom. I don't know what is. It's amazing that their squad is so well put together. And by the way, they're better this year. It uh, is they- true. Their squad is good. I think their social media interns might not be as as seasoned. Exactly. They got thin skin, man. Like we, we've come at them a couple times from our fan page here. Listen, we're just fans. We're having a good time. There's a real rival between New York and uh, Boston area. That is for real. So we kind of yeah. that a little bit. So we'll chirp at them a little bit. We'll kind of make fun of their stupid new name and their stupid new logo and, and the fact that they play in New Jersey. But what's weird to me, I mean, it like truly high key weird, David, is they come after us. They start chirping at us from the official page. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it blows my mind. There was some stuff today that they were like, oh, thanks for the, what do they call it? Like, you know, the. Yeah. Yeah, the the presence. Some of the, like, oh, you're elevating our social media. I was like, oh, that sounds like pretty desperate to me. Listen, they, I mean, they've they've said some stuff to me um, randomly a couple times, and I'm just like, I cannot believe that they can get away with this as a professional organization. If I was that person's boss, whoever the director of marketing is, oh. they must be asleep at the wheel because they need to grab that phone out of that intern. Or if this person's getting paid, I'm I'm shocked. Oh, dang. It's just so unprofessional. Let the um, rugby New York fans come at us just like we're, you know, coming at them. Let that be the battleground. It's very weird to me that the professional team, this is just like the equivalent of the New York Yankees or the New York Giants chirping at people online. It is weird, man. Yeah. Well, they would have to get some fans to do that, I guess. I mean, and God bless uh, the big guy, Scott Ferrara. He and I have these little banter fights, and that's perfectly fine. But to get the big club involved in that, it's just really strange. Well, I mean, when you're a rugby team in New Jersey, it's really hard to to make your impression because there's such great football teams there. You've got the – oh, and the – oh, wait. Anyway, speaking of that team (laughs) – I, I still can't get over the fact that Nate Brakely is playing for them. He's from Marblehead, Massachusetts. He's from my neck of the woods. He should be a free jack all the way. So do you and I need to take a trip to New Jersey and kidnap him? Or do you think there's some way that might actually backfire? Uh, that would definitely backfire. I mean, I don't, I, I'm too pretty for jail, so that's not going to work. Um, Are you, though? <laughs> Um, so what I was going to say is it is a little surprising because I believe they re-signed him in the offseason. He's not somebody that has a long-term deal. Previously. Mm. So it, it would have made a ton of sense because our boy Jackson Thebus has retired from the Free Jacks. So right. that opened up a starting position alongside Josh Larson. And it makes all the sense in the world that Nate uh, would have been. Nate, retired. come home. Nate. He's got that, obviously, he's got that New England connection because he's from Massachusetts. But not only that, he went to Dartmouth. So he has a Dartmouth connection. Oh, geez. He has the Max connection. Yes, he does um so that is it's it's uh, it's wild I, I don't get it maybe he just really likes new jersey i don't know so i'm obviously switching tact here but uh so here's a weird one did you know that there was only five red cards given out all of the season last year in across the entire mlr that seems hard to believe to me um does that indicate to you is that great discipline across you know our clubs or is that a lot of leeway on the uh, part of yeah. our officials I think it's leeway because that's exactly what I was thinking as you were saying. It's got to be a little bit of leeway, and that's probably from the organization standpoint. I mean, when you get mm. a red card in rugby, especially if a game is early on, it's done. It's over with. You know, and that's what's so bad about the international games. If you see a red card come out within, like, the first 15, 20 minutes, you might as well turn it off. You know who's going to win the game. So I don't want to see that type of stuff. Like, unless it's like somebody is, like, trying to rip somebody's head off 
or like there's punch, like flagrant punches thrown, just mm. leave that in your, you know, your, your pants pocket there. Get the yellow card out first. So uh, out of those five reds, of course, one was shown to our own John Pollard. Do you think he's, you know, gotten over the shame at this point? Uh, is he going to have to wear a, a scarlet C on his chest the whole the whole year and, and yes by the way until i've made a random reference to a early american literature or a prog rock band from the 1970s not really a scrum of the earth podcast is it All right exactly okay that should do it for this week Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for listening and for reaching out. I hope more and more of you continue to do so. As always, you can find me on Twitter. I am at of Scrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on Instagram. And of course, you can just always old-fashioned style. Send me an email at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. If you can bring yourself to, you know, leave me a nice review, that would be magic. And if you like what we're doing here, there is at least one way that you can show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. Thank you all again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well.